Yo, yo, yo. Welcome <clears throat> to JavaScript Jam Live. Yep. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. We do this every Wednesday. Wednesday. <laughs> 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Welcome to the show, folks. You know, we love hanging out here talking about JavaScript and just other web development related things. And uh, whether you're a first time uh, guest here or not, uh, you know you love to hear this part of it. So here it is. Whether you're a beginner, whether you're an advanced web developer, developer, engineer, JavaScripter, <laughs> whatever it might be, uh, it doesn't matter. We'd love to hear from everybody. So please feel free to come on up and click on uh, request there to do so. And we'll bring you up. You can ask questions, make comments, statements, facts, opinions, whatever. We'd love to hear it all. Why? Here, here, here. <laughs> Why? So that we can have a great time together. And it just, you know, creates more value for everybody hanging out. So let's get to it. Let's create some value. Let's have some fun. Let's hang out. Let's let's do this. My name is Scott Sinologi, and I'm a technical community manager here at Edgeo and co-host of this year's podcast. Anthony, who are you? My name is Anthony Campolo, and I am a developer advocate at Edgeo and also member of the Redwood JS core team and host of the FS Jam podcast. Oh, yeah. That's a mouthful. <laughs> All the things. And AJC and the web devs. And, the <laughs> yes. Yes. And Scott and Anthony's web dev adventure. Jeez Louise. That's right. Golly. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Bro, Nifty. What's up, dude? Um... I've seen your late nights on in some other Twitter spaces. That's cool. What up? You're just hanging out in the Ryan and Misho space. I don't know if you saw that one. No, I didn't see that one. I wasn't on Twitter at the time. Yep. Yep. Twitter has been a thing today. Yeah, there's lots of drama going on today on Twitter. Are you putting me on blast, Scott? Yeah. Oh, no. Absolutely not, brother. I think uh, I'm just saying I've, I've seen you in your late night stuff, just hanging out. I don't, I don't think I ever call you. Ever seen you on that late? That's all. I try to, I try to go to bed by 9 p.m., but sometimes I, I drank too much coffee. I have too much. Uh, what, what's that adrenaline? I gotta take this call. Okay, no worries. No problemo, bro. No, wasn't calling you out. Don't be fat. Feel free to. Stay up as late as you want. No, go to bed. Go to bed now. <laughs> awesome. Anywho, um, yeah. What was the newsletter to, for this week, Anthony? We had lots of wonderful things. The newsletter for this week was about Common JS being bad. Ba -ba 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 yeah. Very bad. Bad to the bone. Yeah, it's very bad. They are making it. Explicit because in the past they just didn't support it at all, which is like nothing's more, nothing expresses how bad you think something is more than just saying, I'm not even going to acknowledge you. 
And then they kind of had to acknowledge it after a while because everyone was like, yeah, this is nice, but like, could you make it work with the old stuff? Because I kind of need the old stuff to work So I'm going to keep using it and you can't make me stop. And if you try to, I'm just not going to use your thing. I'm going to rebel. So they're like, uh, fine. So they eventually started supporting it. And now they're like writing a post basically saying, yeah, we support this, but wouldn't it be nice if none of us supported this? <laughs> right. Uh, spread the love. <laughs> All you need is love. All you need is love. Love. Love is all you need. Come on now. All right. It's now on the Jumbotron. There it is. The newsletter. And then here's the actual link to the said Dino post. Yeah, I like the Dino blog. It's they're always well written and they have good images too. This one is like a rock with common JS written on it and then a JS hot air balloon <laughs> I see it. trying to take off with this <laughs> giant rock attached to it. I don't even know how it's tilting it. It's kind of amazing. <laughs> uh, that's good. Yeah, very comedic. Comedic. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> even a word, jeez. Yeah. Say it properly. That's cool, man. Okay. Yeah, I mean, and I, I definitely understand... This is one of those things like I can very clearly see both sides because I've like felt the pain of trying to constantly work with libraries and frameworks that are like transitioning through this common JS to ESM thing. So you'll have like common JS stuff in the docs, but then you really want to use it with ESMs and you end up trying to like rewrite everything. And then if no one had really tried to do that yet, then all this like weird stuff happens. Mm. And it really affects stuff if you're using Vite, because Vite just assumes out of the box you're going to use ESM. And yeah, so, but at the same time, it's like, there's probably more code written in, like, the old style than almost any, you know, programming language or ecosystem ever. So yeah. it's going to be a hard, hard change. Now, actually, something that I don't hear people talk about much, but I think this is a good use case for it is chat GPT to refactor these kind of yeah, things. Yeah, that's interesting. Just plug it in and yeah. then you get a bunch of problems. <laughs> yeah, it would it would write it for you yeah. and then you can at least then you run it, it and see like, okay, what breaks yeah. and then immediately see which ones break and then try and get it to fix those. That's it would be an interesting experiment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, debugging. You'd be doing lots of debugging if that's your thing, you know. Which, well, you're gonna debug anyway. If you're gonna try and move from one to the other, you can't true. get away from that's that. True. That's true. Yeah. All right, all right. Um, yo, Edgio is in the audience. What's up? Oh yeah. Look, look. Hello, disembodied brand account. <laughs> it's probably Lindsay behind there. What's up? <laughs> pay no attention to the woman behind it <laughs> um cool so oh she requested let's bring her up yo add what? as a speaker say hello the giant e can talk the e. hey guys it is Lindsay. what's up whoa what's <laughs> up how are you happy wednesday halfway through we've made it yes 
Oh yeah. Absolutely. What's up? You want to introduce yourself to the audience? Oh sure. Hey everyone. This is uh Lindsay Moran. I am the content and brand strategy manager here at, at Edgeo and um the face behind the E. <laughs> yes. <laughs> nice. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Thanks for joining us and listening in. I hear out. you have a new podcast. Oh, that's true. Yeah, actually, uh, great, great that's awesome. Out. Thanks for the intro to that. Um, Edgeo just launched a new podcast called Behind the Edge. Uh, first episode dropped earlier this morning, and um, we talk about the rise in bot attacks and you know solutions for detecting and mitigating those. Nice. Yeah, we should put that on the Jumbotron. Yeah, I'm pulling it yeah. up now. Cool. Check out the podcast, folks. It's a good one. There's three awesome, very intelligent people on there talking about some very interesting things when it comes to bots. So <clears throat> check it out. Security. That's the solution. The the meet.edg.io. Is that the right link? Yeah, that's the right one. Yeah, I like the artwork for the the thumbnail. It looked pretty good. Yeah, the animations are fire. So is the conversation. It's really worth a listen. <laughs> awesome. What were some of your big takeaways from the conversation? Um, you know, it it's interesting being in marketing and, and feeling like I could really relate to this one. Um, they talked about some recent examples of bot attacks, including the uh, Taste Swift uh, fiasco. And I was one of those that did not get in to see her. So I did feel personally victimized by Ticketmaster in this case. And so I could relate to the conversation in that Can way. Can you explain what happened there for people who don't, haven't heard the story? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, basically, Ticketmaster just got overwhelmed with with bots um, purchasing, you know, ticket scalping. And um, it crashed their site. People couldn't get in for, for days. They actually had to stop the sale. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a big mess. They just weren't ready for it. Um, they thought they were. They just could not anticipate that kind of demand. Yeah, bots will get you like that. I always find the this is a concept that I always hear about every now and then. That either like happens every now and then, or is it like a, a TV show or something where people just hack like a whole bunch of Internet of Things like devices, like you know toasters and refrigerators and stuff with internet connections that have no business having internet connections, and then just like direct a hundred thousand bots at something very interesting type of cyber warfare yeah yeah and it's not something you really i don't know being in the industry now like i can i can see it but as a consumer you're just frustrated that you didn't get tickets so you're not really thinking about what's going on except for the fact that hey i didn't get i didn't get in to get tickets yeah yeah it's especially difficult when it's not just like bots posting messages but they're actually like buying up like inventory yep Awesome. Um, are there plans for future episodes? Yeah, have an idea of some of the topics that'll be discussed. Um, yeah, they're working on. Let's see, what is the next one that they're working on now? Um, I think diving diving more into web performance. I believe is the next um, the next topic. So I think that'll be out sometime later this month. Awesome. Well, we'll go ahead and you know chat about it when that comes up as well, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Oh, thanks for the plug, guys. Totally. Yeah, no problem. Looking forward to listening to it. Yeah. If you haven't listened to it yet, just released. Just join us. <coughs> Edgio <coughs> has a new podcast. Yeah. 
go check it out. We linked it at the top there uh, in the jumbo drawn. And it's talking about bots. So good stuff. If you're into security, that's the thing. Dax joined also, us. What up, Dax and Sabin? Yep, Sabin and Jason, of course. What's happening, folks? How was your all's day? Ooh, have you seen that um, Claude had a public release? I don't think so. Do you know what Claude is? I don't is? think so. <laughs> <laughs> so it's um, one of the like main GPT competitors oh, right now, and it's been behind like a wait list, and you know you kind of have to like go like a hackathon or something to get access to it in the past, mm-hmm. and they just released. Um, they're like second iteration of it. So like how there's, you know, GPT-3, 3.5, 4. This is like Claude 2. Yeah, I see it now. And the first thing that had interested me about it is that it has like a much, much larger context window than really? uh, ChatGPT. But is it just as good so, like, on the conversation piece? We'll see. You know, it's like it just came out today. Yeah. So require kind of messing around with it. But, I mean, it seems like they are going to be similar for the most part mm-hmm. but have different reinforcement learning yep. done to it i think so also they have like this i think that the company has this thing called constitution ai yeah that is like this very long like initial prompt that basically gives it all the parameters of what it like should shouldn't do and how it should approach things and right yeah i like that that's at least you know to a certain extent transparent you know there's still stuff in the model i'm sure that's not fully open source but having kind of like the moderation aspect of it a little more transparent, I think is good. And yeah, we'll see. You know, it's kind of like, I played around with both Bing and yeah. uh, Bard, yeah, yeah. and this like, like, Bing was fine, meh. but Bard was like, not great at all. <laughs> right, meh. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yep. But yeah, anyway, I don't know, Dax, if you wanted to, if the title piqued your interest, you want to talk about whether Common JS is bad for JavaScript, I'm sure you'd have lots of thoughts. <laughs> yes. Dax always has thoughts. Come on. Whether he wants to put them out there or not, that's up to him. But. And then, funny enough, we also had, um, right after Demetrius got a new job, we posted his, I know, it was like weird uh, timing. About, about Zeta. It was such weird timing. <laughs> like, literally, you put it out yeah. midnight, the night before he made the yeah. public announcement that he was going to be working <laughs> at Clerk. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah what up what, what up, up? hey uh was that a new blog post we guys linked was what a new blog post the the dino one yeah well that's a couple of days old it's not oh, it's uh, pretty recent. i think i did see that june 30th yep oh, okay yeah uh yeah so i have you guys are right i do have a lot of thoughts on this um mm-hmm. i think that we need to stop shipping cjs i think we're in this mindset of backward compatibility is infinitely good and if you break backwards compatibility that's bad uh i think that's like a weird bias that we have Uh, and i think it's almost like maybe it's almost like a reaction to stuff in the javascript world typically moving too quickly and breaking stuff and not considering backwards compatibility uh but when it comes to cjs like i do not understand why we're still in a world where we're bridging between these two worlds. Uh, ESM isn't perfect and there are a lot of bugs, but the majority of people that run into ESM bugs are because they're living in this weird world of bridging the two. 
Yes, they run into migration bugs. It's not ESM, it's buggy, is how it does support both or go from one to yeah, the other. And the complexities of packaging that people are always complaining about, it's because we have, you know, they're trying to figure out how to package for both and what happens when you're in an ESM project and that has a dependency on a CJS project, which has a dependency on an ESM project. Like there's all kinds of weirdness with it and we just need to move towards a future where we are ESM only. I don't think we need to bring a million packages along. I think there's like sub 50 packages that cover like 99% of everyone's needs and those need to be ESM only. I'm sorry, they're old applications that are not gonna be able to make that jump, um, but that just is the reality. Things need to get torn down and rebuilt at some point. Uh, this, this kind of like urge to just have constant incremental progress while maintaining backwards compatibility is, is not something that works well, especially when if CGS was great and it was like a good setup and we had no reason to move from it, like, yeah, then maybe it makes sense. But uh, a lot of nodes history is not great. Uh, I think there's the people that are working in this space now are a lot more, I would say talented, to be honest. I think we, like, it's attracted like a much better crop of, people that are building things and we're kind of, and they're kind of hampered by just, just like this, this history and then legacy of it. Yeah, I agree. Super hard. <laughs> it's like very validating to hear you say that. Cause I've been saying for a while, I feel like once V really took off, it was, it, it, we, we had the enabling tool to be like, okay, this is what's going to set us up for an ESM only world. We should just leave it behind. It's like this whole Python two to three thing. Like, if they just made everyone have to support both forever, that would be ridiculous. Like, as long as it took, they eventually re recognized they had to drop support for Python 2. I feel like it's the same thing here. Yeah, it's the same thing. And this is, I, I like liking this to just another thing that happens in, in product development. And this is a painful thing, so I understand why it's difficult. Uh, oftentimes, you'll start building a product, and very early on, you'll have these very passionate early adopters. And you're really excited because somebody's using your thing and like you are really appreciative of them. But over time, you realize that you kind of see where your product is today and you see like the best it could be within the current parameters. And you realize, okay, that's not big enough. We need to like to go to the next level. Our product needs to be massively different or care about different things or optimize for different things. And it's painful because in that progress process, you actually need to burn some of your oldest most loyal users so there just is this friction with doing that but if you don't do that you get stuck in a local like a local maximum for for way too long potentially forever and never actually become the great thing you could be become because uh, you're burdened by by this so it's painful and we should try to make it easy but not to like a pathological degree word what's up fuzzy waka 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 folks how are we all <laughs> what's up very good. Thank you for joining. Thanks. Yeah, for thoughts? Um, thoughts? CGS could go die in a bloody pit for all I care. But be, to be honest, right, I just joined so I could ask you to invite um, my colleague Okiki on. He's a creator and uh, of Bundle.js. He has literally went down this rabbit hole for the past, what, God, he'll tell you himself, right? But he's like spent a long time swimming in this particular hole. I'd have, if you don't mind, Anthony, um, if you can invite him up, I mean, to. Okay. You know, any friend of yeah. Fuzzy is a fuzzy friend of mine. Invited oh, up love now. <laughs> love yeah, you. I just I just sent um an invite. Yep. Thank you guys. No, it's great. I want to be I just want to say, right, to you guys mm -hmm. in the US, I'm failing in the US. What a country. 
<laughs> You're in the U.S. right now? Yeah, California we. Awesome. Right. So what's your um, common JS thoughts? Um, my common JS thoughts is that it's an antiquated piece of um, open specification that never, that that took hold in a point in, in a vacuum. Kind of similar to how AMD and all these kind of like open specification bundling and packaging, you know, your JavaScript uh, files together. There wasn't, you know, there wasn't no, um, they all grew in a vacuum. And when you have things growing in a vacuum, you're going to have problems, right? Um, ESM was is one of those solutions that is late to the table, but the more that you, the quicker you adopt it, the less pain barriers I have experienced. I mean, like you were saying, it was like when V came onto the, um, when V came into the marketplace, right? Um, Snowpack before that. I mean, Fred himself, he was like, he did a big push to get ESM to like push the ESM kind of like the modularity kind of stuff when it came to like Skypack, Snowpack, um, you know, in that particular, those two particular projects with Pika as well. And then having seen that grow in the ecosystem in terms of like the kind of work that they do, the similarities that were there to begin with, now there's a divergence. But when V for Snowpack at that small point in history, you know, it was like there was definitely a, a world where the past was definitely present, if you get what I'm trying to say. It was like they were moving from that mindset of like, you know what, ESM is here, it is now the standard, you know, post-2015, let's try and get tooling and try and get services and facilities made for this kind of like new standard that we could like share, mod, you know, codes on a modular basis. But yeah, personally speaking, CGS and the previous specifications that came before it they were, you know, drop them, drop them like, you know, when drop is like, just get ready. It's my opinion. When I see, yes, when I don't, it infuriates me now when I'm having to work with code bases that are not ESM based because of those like pain points that Dax just beautifully, you know, succinctly de- described. So, yeah, that's my takes. Word. Yeah, I totally remember when Fred was kind of doing that like media tour, and that's kind of how I first learned really what ESM was at the time because I was still kind of learning the whole ecosystem and like what is really the difference between these two things and I it, it seemed like like you were saying everyone just kind of had to decide like collectively it just like this is the thing and then it would become so so it's like mm-hmm. chicken the egg problem because everyone has to collectively agree to do it but they all have to kind of jump at the same time and like V was the closest thing to kind of like a uh, a shelling point the term for that the thing is right it's like what we've not spoke about and again this is something like for the entire group to discuss right is the is a schism that is happening within the node ecosystem because it's not just javascript now esm is and is, is you know internally within the javascript you know standard now but it is what's happening within the node ecosystem because node can't like for the backwards the argument of backwards compatibility can't drop CGS or their previous standards, you know, their previous um, module bundlers, whatever it's called, um, for ESM and go all in on ESM. That is why, you know, I've chosen Deno as my primary backend tooling system because as ESM, as TypeScript, it's a lot easier for me to get going. Whereas working with Node now is becoming like that, you know, it's becoming like a pain point because of <laughs> the entire ecosystem. It's like, I remember speaking to Matteo about this and Matteo's point when it came to the Node ecosystem on why they can't go all in on ESM was for backwards compatibility. 
But even his, you know, arguments to that was that it's a necessary evil. It's one of those necessary evils that we just need to accept and try and work around. And for me, that is not good enough. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's like a defeatist attitude. <laughs> it really was. It really was. But the thing was, it was like, from their point of view, it was like, this was um, a conversation going from Node 14 onwards. And they were, they've still not, they, you know, they're still, they're, they're pretty much, their position is, we are on the fence now. We can't go either way. And because they're there, because they're sitting on the fence, you, you're going to be having packages that are literally playing lot, you know, some would you be playing with fire and some would just work like a dream. But having that together in your project in your code base, you're just asking for problems. And problems cost sent, money. I sent an invite mm-hmm. to your friend. I'm not sure if they're maybe having trouble joining. So, um, okay, can you... If they need to, like, sometimes it helps just, like, leave, come back. I'm not yeah, sure if they're, if they're trying maybe to get they're not. Not, Maybe they're not on uh, mobile and they're on desktop. Yeah, they have to be. They need, uh, is, this, oh, right. is this someone okay. who's done spaces before? I think so, yeah. Okiki has been around, yeah. Um, he's from the Astro community. If you, He's one of the maintainers in the Astro community as well. He's actually some talent, this wee boy. But, yeah, um, let's just say, Okiki, bro, get on your mobile. They just pop, <laughs> we're so about you. We'll, we'll see yeah. what happens when they come back. Um, do other people okay. on the panel have uh, thoughts, things they want to say? What about you, bro, Nifty? I he he was breaking up a little bit for me. Where you're asking uh, people on the? I'm just like curious, like you know, wh- do you think CJS should be dropped or should we support it forever? Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah. So Mateo, uh, Mateo is kind of the holdout for CJS, and like I understand what he's saying there. Um, in my view, uh, CJS replaced the. Um, the iffy um for like namespacing and i it's kind of, to me i mean this is kind of maybe is a little bit of a brain dead take here smooth brain take but uh, i feel like it's you can almost just use classes like for the namespace but anyways the esm uh, esm is the future and it's much easier to work with what do you do in these I mean, days fuzzy you work for linux foundation i'm curious like what, what your yeah. day is like same here. I'm so trying to figure that out. <laughs> no, it's um, actually me and Okiki, we were, oh, he's there now. Perfect. We, we were working together to help. I did not. Yeah, he's. <laughs> did, you know Sorry, I did not know you couldn't use the mic on the website. Uh, this is a. I, I've done it in the phone before. I didn't know you could not use, become a speaker on the website, though, which is a really dumb approach. It gets everybody. It's, it has, like, the yeah. ultimate foot gun. Yeah, that is okay. Um, so, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Kiki. I'm the creator of Bundle.js. I'm one of the maintainers on Astro. I've been around, played around with ESM CGS for quite a while now. Um, so there, there are two takes with the with the backwards compatibility. One, a lot of those backwards compatible packages haven't been looked at in years. So from a security perspective. It may be better to drop them and look for a different alternative that's using ESM and has been maintained and or monitored for security issues. That's number one. Number two, the packages that use the features from CGS are few and in between, and the, the projects where they're used are few and in between, right? So, for example, um, CGS caching, right? The number of projects actually need that are very few. Right, we're talking like 
Like you could count them on your hands, number of projects actually need this capability. So no one's saying that you have to get rid of e- CJS, but to claim that CJS needs to be as prominent or as treated as importantly as it does right now, it's just false. It's just, you can't quantify it because just how the feature set of CGS is so limited compared to ESM. And lastly, um, V isn't actually the, the reason why ESM is taking over. It's, it's, it's definitely one of the reasons, but um, Rollup is actually the main reason why um, ESM took off. The entire idea of tree shaking could not exist in CGS because it is not statically analyzable. It is impossible to figure out where something's going to be used in CGS because of just the number of ways it could be used. With ESM, you get that ability. Right? So those are the, the three um, takes I have on it. So the, the first one being um, when it comes to caching and all that stuff, yes, there are some key use cases that, yes, ESM currently doesn't cover. We don't say need to destroy that, but do know those are very few and in between. Most people don't even know about this ability that CGS has, um, where you can cache and you can delete caches for projects. Most people don't touch that. So, to, you know, it's, it's a very minor use case that most people don't ever use. So you can kept as a supported feature for those packages that need it, but not one that's pushed. So you only use it when you absolutely need it type of, type of thing in the Node ecosystem. Um, and you know you need it because you know you need it. You get what I mean? Does that sort of make sense? Yeah, no, it does. By the way, um, your mic's a little rough right now. Are you able to just go like straight through your phone? Yeah, okay. Like, it's just kind of change. Yeah, give me a second. Uh, let me switch to. Uh, let me see if she can. Mm. Let me let me use my directly then. I just got to see. He doesn't normally sound like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should be at least in the computer with a better mic. Okay, is that better now? Yeah, much better. Yeah, a lot now. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Here, uh, maybe I should try repeating what I said earlier. So the. Uh, I mean, it was it was understandable. Let me. Uh, I'll kind of inter- interject, and it sounds like you know you're you're saying that really the biggest thing is that you get things like tree shaking, and I don't know if you mentioned, but just like the the asynchronous nature of it in general, and I think it's it's a good point about roll up. Because, you know, roll-up underlies V. It's kind of like, you know, what pushed the standard to get developed in the first place versus, like, what kind of brought it more to the mainstream. So, I think they're... Like, do you think without V, there still would have been as many people into it right now who would be just using roll-up? Or do you think people would have stuck more so with Webpack? No, um, even without V, roll-up would have been... would have taken quite a bit of this to really far... For the key reason, uh, Rollup is very flexible. The plugin system is very nice. In fact, feet built on that very plugin system, right? So the core is already there. Um, Snowpack was already doing stuff with this same idea around um, this time as well. So this stuff would have taken off even if V was never created. It's just it 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 already it had reached terminal velocity um, by the time V arrived, and V just took that all the way. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. No. Definitely. For sure. So do you think that we should drop support for CGS entirely? No. Um, for that, the key reason is if you know you need that caching functionality of um, CGS, you know you need it. It's like a, um, if you know you need quantum mechanics, you know you need it type of thing. Even though most people will never use it, you know you need it. So we, can't, we shouldn't drop it, but the idea that most people should start creating their packages with CGS or that CGS is the better 
better uh, module system is false. And we need to change that. So like we can still have CGS, we can have our cake and eat it too, just need to flip it. It should be that the majority is ESM because most projects do not need the features of CGS. In fact, um, uh, actually this weekend, I was working on um, Bundle.js, tree shaking. Right now, to get tree shaking to work of any kind with CGS, you have to give said package a name. So think React. You have to give whatever you're trying to export from CGS a name. You get literally no benefit to bundling. V roll up all that. You get no benefit to using any of those tools with CGS. Like I, I, like all those tools using CGS basically takes any benefit you get from them and makes them nil, zitch. You're wasting a lot of effort and time and use a CGS package. That needs to be made of, like aware to people. Like yes, you can do that, but the benefits are all gone when you do. Is it possible, or do you think it will be possible to recreate that kind of caching behavior in ESM? It 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 is definitely possible. The real question is, should we? Right? Because ESM is, is a JavaScript standard, which means it can be used not just on a Node.js but also on the web. The real question is, do we want people to be able to dynamically? Um, change the caches of modules as they wish on the web? That is the big question no one's currently asking. It is a useful functionality for a local system where you have, where you can somewhat know what you can expect, but for a web-based system where you can fetch from external resources from some URL you, don't, you may not own, do we want that functionality? Second, if we, uh, if um, well, there's a current spec of, uh, being discussed where the, you can actually create custom modules using the module keyword and then um, use colons to, to basically create a virtual module within a single module. If that is supported, would we need caching um, for use cases people use right now? Uh, I don't know if you all are aware of the, the spec I'm talking about, where you can, uh, it's like, I think it's called module blocks. Um, yeah. Module blocks. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, it's a TC39 uh, spec. Cool. No, I have not heard of this actually. Yeah, it's the module expressions, module block, whatever it's called. Basically lets you yeah, yeah. Yes, it basically lets you isolate um your modules into like custom uh blocks that they can't reach outside the block, but basically lets you like import those modules custom but as you wish. So if we had this, could we like allow people just dynamically create the modules they want on the fly and import whenever they wish? Um, and then have that act as a sort of caching system. So basically, instead of giving the user the ability to clear cache, give the user to create, the ability to create custom modules and just use it directly, sort of way. Would that solve the caching issue? I, I don't know. Uh, I've not really looked into it all that deeply as to the goal of the spec itself. But what I do know is that there's potentials that um, in the future, we can find solutions to this, this problem without like introducing a bunch of security or whatever issues that even CGS currently has. So I'm, I'm, I'm bullish on it. And it's how it turned out, I guess. Yeah, no, this looks really interesting. Yeah. Um, let's see, is it say stage, stage three? Is that where it's at? Uh, is this stage three already? Uh, last I checked, this was stage two. I mean, I just, I just Googled, or I just, um, did a control F on the GitHub repo. It says T39 stage three reviewers. So maybe it's being reviewed for stage three. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's, that's a new update for us. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it, it seems like, like people are really interested in it. Um, so if this does get, let's, let's, 
pray that it gets merged within the next year. Because sometimes you can this um this spec has been available for the past what three years now. So if it gets merged within the next year or two, right, would we still need CGS is the question. And if CGS still exists, why does this still exist? That that's the question I would ask. Because backward compatibility really isn't a good to like because the LTS for what's the what's the latest LTS? It's Node.js 18. So it's not even like yeah. CommonJS needs to be supported anymore. It's that CommonJS is still supported because some people don't want to move away from it. Right. I, I think that's the big big story with um, the Node.js ecosystem. It's not that people want to stick or people uh, there's some use case for CGS. It's that people don't want to move away from CGS in the first place. I think that's going to be the bigger issue to adoption. Yeah. Yeah, I shared it. I shared a, a blog post on Bun. Uh, there are uh, they Bun also implemented the CJS there, uh, but Dino Note uh, the Node.js also did there with the CJS. I think the same. Uh, like uh, the CJS uh, is uh, is like a first first person there. We want to keep uh, for some time to that support. That's from my side. Cool. Um, did you want to introduce yourself at all, Muhat? Yeah, it's Muhat from India. Awesome. Well, thank you for uh, joining I, us. I, 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 yeah, I added some uh, comments there for uh, referring the bun JS. It's a new run time for the JS. Yeah, so I've, the, I've used bun just a couple times. Um, it's pretty interesting. Are you just using it in like personal projects? Are you running it in production anywhere? Yeah, of course. And the bun also implemented the common JS supports there. And they, uh, the Jared said, said like uh, the common JS is a, uh, uh, we can treat the common JS like a first person support, first class citizen uh, today. We can treat like, that's why. Uh, I'm sorry for my fluency. I'm not uh, fluent no, you're, in English. You're fine. Yeah, no, we appreciate you joining okay. us. Thank you for, for hopping up. Okay. Always welcome to to contribute. Looks like we got the other Anthony here. What's up? Hello from other Anthony land. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's up, y'all? I'm, I'm Anthony. I, I work at Vercel, and um, I help folks out a lot with uh, Turbo Repo stuff and um, uh, Turbo Pack stuff. And I think uh, just listening to the conversations and, you know, um, we think about bundlers and we think about common JS, we think about ESM and like, it's something that's conscious on our minds when we have this conversation, I kind of always go back to, um, like when I'm helping folks with turbo repo, like it's always top of mind for me. Like they don't want to think about these implementation details. Right. And, um, like I personally don't like, I mean, I do care, but like you're, when you're building your project, you shouldn't have to care, I guess is how I should say it. Right. Um, and when I'm helping someone, you know, create an internal package, um, or I guess a little bit of description around how turbo repo works, right? Like you have packages that you, um, are in that are in your mono repo and you use them as if they were an NPM package, but they're just right there next to your application code. And, um, a lot of folks end up asking me like, oh, like, but I'm compiling this as ESM and uh, I want to, but like there's a downstream dependency on a CJS thing and it like blows up. And when I try to import it here, it doesn't work. And sometimes it works over here and I don't really understand all this. I'm like, okay, a lot of the time what I do is I just punt the entire problem and I say, hey, here's a pattern where you don't even have to compile that package, just use it in your app code. And they're like, oh, wow, like this is awesome. 
I don't even care anymore. Um, because you can have that consuming application, uh, like bundle and compile and do whatever it needs to do. Um, like as it drags in the code that it needs essentially. And so that is something that I think, uh, to the point of bunches, like, I think that's something that I really key in on when I think about this, like, is CJS bad? Does everything, do we need to drop it? Whatever, all that. It's like, okay, if we do that, like, what are the, you know, what are the ramifications on people who, you know, there's ramifications on the folks that are making the bundlers for sure. Like obviously. Right. Um, but like, we need to go run our apps and like, we need to make things that, you know, not even that those like developers that are building these products, like there's actually, like, we're shipping, right? Like there's actual end users out there. And so there's actually kind of a chain of like, how does CJS impact our actual end users that exist? If you really want to dive deep on the conversation. And so that's what I always think about is like, okay, like CJS matters, you know, in the context of like building bundlers. Okay. Now take that up a level, take it to the developers that have to use these packages. Okay. Now take that up a level. They're serving end users. And um, to that end, when I think about, do we drop CJS? Do we, you know, blow up and, you know, no more CJS. ESM is the future. We all know, like we, we, we want that future and we know that future. Um, but at the same time, like flipping that switch is like, I want to almost say nearly impossible, right? Like I'm thinking of um, conversations that I have with for sale customers all the time where they're like, oh, like um, we're coming from this system that hasn't been touched in, you know, four years and it just still runs. It's on like node 10 or whatever, right? And like nobody's touched it because nobody cared. But like today we care and like now we're trying to fix it. Um there's a lot of those out there and like, it's nice for us on Twitter that are really keyed into this stuff to like want to just be like, yeah, CGS bang it. Like nobody needs it. <laughs> but um, like, there's a whole, you know, I, I, we like, sometimes I call them dark matter developers. Like there's a whole bunch of people that we don't see that are using these things that like, we can't just like, you know, kick into the curb. Um, so I don't know. I, that's just what I always think about. I, maybe that's probably going way too far with it, but. I always think about it from that context. The thing they always say is don't break the web. I feel like dropping CommonJS support would break the web more than almost any browser API. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I'll, I'll, and that's, that, that's I'll, kind of where, yeah. sorry, that's kind of where I come in with like, oh, like I love what Bun does where just like, I don't have to think about this anymore. And like the way that I try to describe that internal package pattern for um, Turbo Repos users is like, just don't think about it. Like just, Somebody else is gonna do it. Hopefully, you know. I mean, yes, of course. Uh, when, when we, I think, when we say dropping CGS, I, I guess we have to determine what we mean by that. Is the question I would ask. When we say drop, as in like permanently stop Node.js from supporting CGS, or dropping it as in heavily discourage it. I put a warning whenever someone uses a CGS package that says that CGS is no longer the preferred way of doing module resolution, because if if it's the latter, um. That would be much easier, especially for older packages and older projects to slowly migrate over. Given, let's say, um, you say we're going to drop it in the next 10 years. Right? We'll officially drop it in 10 years' time. That gives people more enough time to migrate the packages over. Assuming this isn't an IE situation where people are still using IE to the day. But um, it gives people the time to drop it. But the key thing is, new packages are still written in CJS. So, like, that's going to be a problem. <laughs> If you ever want an ESM future, 
so I guess you have to determine are we talking the first one where it's stop each CGS from using both Node.js at all? Or the second one, which is say we're going to deprecate in 10 years' time, but slowly wean people off of CGS in the first place and avoid new packages being written in CGS. We got some heavyweight Vercel muscle in here. I just wanted to like agree and amplify and also just add the, to, to Anthony's uh, point about the like long tail effect of the dark matter developers and whatever. Like, I think we do have a, uh, in the Twitter tech, tech Twitter, we have a kind of a, um, like a bias, maybe survivorship bias, whatever. So kind of bias, but like, it's really like a lot people are so keyed in, like you mentioned. And then I think, the things that we talk about and that we're, we're doing are like really on the more advanced end of the spectrum. So like sometimes maybe we overlook that. I, I think what we see around us, what we see people talking about are always like the most advanced, like cutting edge stuff. So it's kind of maybe we have a little bit of a bias and we, sometimes we may forget about it. So I just want to add that. Thanks. What's up, Jess? Yo, what's up? Um, I think I know quite a few of you. I know at least three of us on speaking are library authors. Who else is a library author on this call? Um, I'm like vaguely a framework devrel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my my beef, I have beef, um, is when library authors write CJS and they don't support ESM and they expect something, some magical bundler to handle it, to just handle it. And this is, um, you know, TurboPack and Webpack. Actually, Anthony, question. Does TurboPack treat CJS the same way that uh, Webpack does? Like, it just figures it out. Uh, TurboPack is right uh, right now at this moment. It kind of just auto-magics everything. Um, so, Yes and no. I can't. I don't want to speak to the future. I guess is what I'll say. <laughs> okay, okay. So as as of right now, it's like yes, compatible with the way that Webpack handles module exports, right? Yep, yep, yep. So yeah, compatible. Very good. Um, a lot of library authors just write CJS and expect downstream that the user is going to be using Webpack, and it's really bad. So we had this problem at Cypress. Um, where Cypress would just have a default compiler of Webpack. And all of a sudden, we were like, okay, but this project uses Vite, right? And like Vite is the entry point for all of all of ESM issues. Like it really brought them to the, to the forefront. I probably, I'm probably late to this discussion anyway. You already talked about all this. Um, but yeah, once we started supporting Vite as the bundler, all the issues started coming in from other plugin authors. Anthony, go for it. Oh, no. Did you have more? Continue. No, I go for it. Oh, so yeah, I was actually going to, the same, to almost the same point, I've actually seen authors that um, thought they were publishing ESM and uh, thought they were handling everything correctly. And it was like, oh, uh, sorry, actually. And um, something I think about all the time is... Um, uh, oh my gosh, why is his name escaping me? Mark, uh, Mark Erickson um, on the Redux team. He has been very open about mentioning that um, he's like, yeah, like Redux, you know, contextually is not necessarily a legacy state, work, uh, state manager, but like 
people still use it in new projects and stuff like that. He has a large surface area to cover. And he talks all the time about if I want to cover everyone that wants to use Redux, like he has to just do magic. Um, he's got, I think he has a blog post maybe, or but he's got a pretty he sticky does. tweet that still pops up. So Mark, Mark Erickson and I, that blog post comes from a rant that he and I had um, in January or February, where we talked for three hours about the history of bundling <laughs> in my kitchen. Uh, like we were just on a call, just talking about life and life event eventually led to CJS. Um, as is tradition. As is tradition, we were talking about, you know, concatenating files to get all your code into one script, like all these all these fun things we used to do back in the day um and he came out with that blog post at the end anthony and it's really good and in in, in his style it's like it's like a 20 minute blog post and you will learn so much um there's a tweet actually anthony what i thought you might mention is dax's i think it's dax's tweet um on if your library works on esm so i'm going to try to dig that up and we can pin it let me let me hunt on the Twitterverse. But it's yeah, gonna take a while for me to find it. Give me, give me a bit. <laughs> oh, good. But yeah, where I was going was um, we have all these various bundlers that want to do all of these things, um, and like there's now we have this weird split where it's like folks want to get to ESM m most of the time, right? And like sometimes a library author is like oh my gosh, like, I'm kind of new to the game. And like, we're starting to get all the this use all get all these users. And like, I'm finding out that now that I didn't do it right. Um, and that's something that I feel like uh, compilers and bundlers can get better at. And that's something specifically that with TurboPack, um, we're, we're trying to get to that world where it's like, oh, like, it just is, you know, <laughs> and solving the Mark Erickson pains of the world. I'm curious if people have thoughts on tree shaking and CJS and ESM. I've got a lot of thoughts. Uh, <laughs> um, tree shaking doesn't exist with CJS, straight up. Um, that is not a thing, isn't a thing? Because it's not statically analyzable, you can't figure out how to separate out packages. So it's basically all CJS everywhere ends up in, even in ES build, which ES build stuff is very clean. It's just Webpack code, basically. The Webpack spaghetti is what I call it. Um, that's how you have to support CGS, any CGS package of any kind. There are a lot of packages that are not easily tree shakeable, like Redux um, or like RxJS, because they're chain based, right? So if you have that chaining pattern, a lot of your like that that's a really good it's a really good way to tell if a library is going to be easily convertible from a CJS bundler to an ESM um, like output target CS, CJS bundled output versus ESM bundled output. Um, Faker has this problem because it imports all of English, uh, all of the fixtures. So Faker.js is for people who don't know um, a cute little library that generates random strings. So everything from lorem ipsum to like company slogans that sound like hacker bullshit to GitHub shahs. Like it's a really useful little thing, but it needs locales and imports the entire world. It's like two megs, but you only ever use it in dev. So nobody cares. Actually, I think that's specifically a class thing. Um, classes are not too shakable generally. Um, 
But even more so is uh, if your entire package ends up being just a single class, then tree shaking isn't going to work in any package system you use. Uh, yeah, to know for it to tree shake properly, you just need to understand how your stuff will be used. And classes are just they're not isolated enough generally to be tree shaken out properly. So, yeah. But for CJS, like your entire package will just never be tree shaked ever. Just ever. <laughs> so. I guess. Cool. Um, Scott, you want to hop in with a station break? Yeah, I was actually just thinking about that. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us today. This has been awesome. Lots of great conversation. I love it when everybody really comes up and uh, participates. Um, in fact, that's what we always say, whether you're a beginner, whether you're, um, you know, uh, been developing for a long time. It doesn't matter. We want to hear from everybody. So please feel free to request, come up, state a fact, opinion, uh, statement, whatever. We love to hear it. Um, why? Well, it creates more value for everybody um, in here in the room, and uh, we just have a great time. So thank you to everybody who has. By the way, um, if you've gotten value from anybody up here now or earlier, please feel free to click on their icon there and follow them, because I promise you, if you got value from them here, I'm sure you're probably going to get value from them in other places. So make sure you do that. All right. Thank you so much. And, uh, oh, one more thing. If you're not uh, subscribed to our newsletter, go to javascriptjam.com, subscribe to our newsletter, and follow the other hundreds of people that have already done it. Don't miss out on the latest in JavaScript and web development. Anthony puts a lot of time into putting those together and making it happen. All right, y'all. Thanks. Word. So we had an awesome panel. Um, do people want to kind of take this in another direction, add more thoughts about the current topic, kind of open to whatever. I found that tweet. Um, we can change topics. I just wanted to send it at least to, to Anthony. Um, let me figure out how to find this on my phone again. But but I'll pin it up. Oh, I, I guess I'm curious. Does anyone think this Dino blog post is going to actually matter in any sense of like the conversation or the trend? Yeah, so the Dino blog post not wrong, but I guess it's lacking empathy, I guess, as well, because it's phrase it, because it doesn't really understand some people are stuck with CGS. It's just like, if you're stuck using PHP, you're stuck using PHP, there's nothing you can do about that, right? If your code base is just legacy, your code base is legacy. Um, and we can't start throwing people under the bus like that. But at the same time, we also have to understand that new projects being created shouldn't be using legacy software or legacy ways of developing. They're legacy for a reason. Just like how most people don't use IE nowadays because IE is legacy for a reason. You know, you know what I mean? Uh, so it, it lacks a bit of that empathy a little bit, um, understanding. Um, for Deno, it works, but it doesn't really, like, say, it doesn't really help a lot of people in the JavaScript ecosystem by being nuanced in the discussion, which is, I guess, the problem with it. I agree with, um, okay, hard, hard to say a name. Oh, Kiki. Oh, uh, yeah. Yes, hi. I, I agree with you um, on the new project thing. And I think um, Dino is coming from it from a perspective of they have this utility. They built DNT. It's like this command CLI that, uh, according to the description here, transforms your uh, ES into an, into an MTM package that supports EJS, uh, CJS, ES, so compatibility. So I think they're coming at it from a position of you could just use Dino as, as the runtime, and then whether you're CJS or ESM, it doesn't matter. 
and then just write all your modules in, for libraries in ESM. So that's my take my take on it. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, yeah, but at that, but you, you're still publishing new packages with CJS though, even with DNT, right? So we still like it doesn't really solve the problem because V and other packaging managers, even Webpack, both still pun, uh, publish CJS, so you still get CJS in your code base. Yeah, V's for Node though, right? V's for Node though, right? Uh, we're talking about Dino. Yeah. So Dino doesn't need uh, doesn't need. No, but DNT still publishes um, CGS. Oh, okay, yeah, you you get you got me there. I, I don't know all the all the details. Well, I mean, I think I think you can disable it, but the vast majority of people do not disable it. So, and DNT is meant to get um, your Dino projects to work in Node, uh, and if it publishes CGS, then you can doesn't really solve the problem. As much as it makes makes the problem more convenient to deal with, um, so you know it, it requires a larger conversation about Node.js specific, uh, because Dino is doing good stuff on the Dino side of things. Um, in fact, I would even go as far as to claim that the Dino's package management system is better than NPM, but has some flaws. That's how our best term it. Um, yeah. Yeah, what are your takes on that? Hot take. Um, what are your takes on that? Yeah, I agree. I agree, and I think uh, I think it does come back to um, what, what you're saying is true, and also and um, Mateo, it's kind of my 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 shelling point is Mateo on the the, the node the node question. Uh, what Dino, what Ryan's doing with Dino is kind of like a sort of like I don't know if you want to call it a hard fork of of node and just bringing it to a t totally different direction, but. Uh, Anyways, it's it's a new system. It's kind of like the old system, but but different. Uh, anyways, but uh, but yeah, it's it, he's he's trying. He's kind of you know in sort of if I if I would kind of characterize most respectfully, if I could characterize uh, Mateo, he's kind of strong arming the uh, JavaScript uh, ecosystem a bit, um, which is not. It's fine. I mean, I believe in strong leadership. So if you want to do what you want to do, you, you got the vision, go go for it. Yeah. But but yeah, it is a bit of a strong arm uh, attack tactic there. But and he is doing everything. Ryan is doing everything Dino centric. So it's it's not. I don't think he's really. But yeah. But anyways, otherwise, all the other stuff I agree. Well, I can say it's definitely got people's attention, <laughs> and I think that's also part of the point of it too. The you know a marketing perspective, but yeah. I think Dino sort of um, um, cuts themselves off by the knees by the way they market themselves. By calling themselves the Node.js competitor, they sort of frame the game in a wrong sense of the word um, because Dino is very different from Node.js in the way it works. It is way more web-like than Node.js can't really ever be. Um, it's just it's way, way more web-like. Uh, and in that way, by calling themselves a Node.js competitor, they set expectations wrong. But I sort of feel. Um, so if you're if you're coming from Node.js, you're used to all the Node.js APIs, used to all the way Node.js works, and you come there and you find out you have to use a dash A or whatever, or you have to do permissions for all your commands, um, and now you have to use um, deno.lock or deno.json to do all this stuff, it will throw people off. And I think um, they're marketing themselves as a Node.js competitor instead of just a different runtime entirely. What should they market themselves? Do you think they should just market themselves as like a JavaScript runtime? Yes, like separate, completely separate from Node. But kind of like Bun has done. 
Actually, I, don't know, I think also one cut themselves out. They need they have the potential to do some really great stuff, but they're supporting some of the things that no does that cause issues with the JavaScript ecosystem. One of which is set time out. They're doing it the Node way, and then supporting some of the Dino ways, some of the the web ways. Sorry, um, with that, the problem is the Node way is completely incompatible with any other runtime. So by supporting the Node way. The entire reason why they supported the node way is to keep backward compatibility again. But all it's done is cement because that API, once it's done, once you've created the set timeout API, you can't change it anymore. It's one of those set in stone ones. And by supporting node way, it's just becoming node but faster. Can you dive into the differences between the node way and the Dino way for people who are not familiar? So the node way, oh, sorry, um, the node way is very focused on um, on legacy. So back in the day, there's a bunch of stuff that weren't supported. So actually, from my understanding of the history of it, is V8 only comes with certain features, like like the, the runtime alone. If you separate the runtime away from DOM and everything like that, it only comes with certain features. And to implement those features, at the time when Node.js was created, you had to implement those from scratch. So Node.js took its own route. Instead of doing the browser way, it implemented set timeout and all these other APIs in different ways for Node.js. And because of that, they've set some of these APIs in place, like, like guaranteed, where they can't change it anymore because it's no longer, yeah. can't ever be compliant with the way the browsers work. So, so I get that. What is the actual difference between the spec, between how they implemented it? Um, uh, it's so from my understanding, set timeout. Um, when you use it, it returns in Node.js, it returns an object, but on the web and on Deno, it returns a number. That got it. So, yeah. okay. got it. So like literally, the return type is different, and how you would cancel the set timeout is different because of the implementation reasons they're looking for in different like runtime environments. So if you're looking for a lighter weight implementation on V8 engine versus browser, you're going for one one design decision versus another. Is that about right? Yeah, basically. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, so they, 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 that's how the stuff in store. Bun going the node way guarantees that whatever Bun does is now has to be node compliant. Like it now has to be. Otherwise, why go the node way? So they, they've locked themselves into this. So they, they can have some level of browser compatibility, but it's still locked into that node like node system. Any mistakes node makes, they're locked in now. Which means that Bun can never really like separate distinctify it or distinctify, um separate itself away from Node.js. It's always gonna be just like Node.js but faster. It's never gonna be Bun. Uh, like you use Bun because you enjoy to use Bun. It's just that it's Node.js but faster. And if you're a company looking into using um, a runtime, a JavaScript runtime, why would you use Bun for development or anything like that if Node.js is more compatible and, you know, it's it's the stable version, right? I so, mean, a lot, of the, a lot of the optimizations that are happening over at Bun are really made for the edge, right? Like, that's a lot of what Jared's working on. And also, fixing the testing story. Um, both Dino and Bun are pushing Node. It, I, I love that story, right? Where Dino and Bun make innovations, and then that comes back to the Node group, and they're like, oh, yeah, shit, we should actually have official testing support. Um, I like that feedback loop. I like that as well, but, like, 
unlike Dina, which is like distinctly different, it can isolate itself from all of Node's decisions, right? They can they can very much isolate themselves from all Node's decisions, Node.js's decisions, and make their own path. One cannot anymore. They've locked themselves in. Otherwise, they would have, they would have uh, a completely different compatibility table. So like, if they don't do the Node.js way, when you develop an application in JavaScript, you now have to think of it, hey, Node.js and Bun work differently if they don't uh, stick to the Node.js way. Because of that, they're guaranteed to stick to the Node.js way to avoid people having to think about that. Does that make sense? Oh, 100%. For, for set timeout is, is the only one you have beef with, right? Well, yeah, there are a couple more APIs they've, um, that they've implemented from Node.js. Set timeout was just the, 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 was the like, those other ones were like, Iffy, but you can you can work around that. Those the set timeout one was the one that was like, yeah, they've they've locked that one in place. That one is yeah. That's when I knew that they've locked it in place. That wasn't changing anymore. I wonder why. I wonder why Jared decided to do that. I mean like that that was exactly the question I was about to ask. I should so, um the the reason if I remember correctly was backwards compatibility. But you know, I don't know. I don't know. And why did uh, Oh, I'm sorry, Anthony. Just go for it. <laughs> no, I was I was just thinking to myself as you guys were going back and forth. I was thinking to myself that you know we're, we're thinking of this at a, at a technical level. I think a lot, and uh, Jared has a, a has product decisions to make, right? Like that compatibility table really is a product decision. Um, you know, does he want to do set timeout the note way, right? Like that's that's a question that like is a lot more um, like fundamentally like 10 years from now when somebody's thinking about um, Bun, like do, does he want them thinking of that in the Node.js way to, to Kiki's point? And um, like there's an adoption curve that uh, Jared's probably looking for. Is it, you know, uh, the hockey stick or is it just that slow like upward trend, like, you know, not straight line, but you know what I mean, right? And, um, you know, so... I think the other thing too is that uh, to to Jared's point, I've I feel like I've seen him specifically here on Twitter. I don't really get to follow Bun around too much, but um, I've seen him a lot. Like literally, just ask people for their projects, and I've seen him be very very thoughtful about um, going through like gigantic projects and then small ones, and then like understanding different ways that Zig can handle these different things. Um, and so it's been interesting to watch him make all of those product decisions, particularly against the way that, Den that Dino has been going about it. Um, and the other thing that I was thinking about was Jess mentioned um, that feedback loop of like uh, Jared proves that Bun can do something that Node can't or it does it just a trillion times faster or whatever. And then Node has to hop on their horse and try to chase that. That to me is the real story when you're thinking about like you know enterprise systems like they're probably never going to leave node because they like literally can't <laughs> at this point and so um and so like that for me is the real story is like someone came along and pushed everyone to be better which i personally think is the part that i love about all of it the, the issue there is like like it's cool that um you're pushing node.js to get better but that's not going to help bun's adoption Right? If Node.js has all the features Bun has, it's got the enterprise usage, and it's got uh, lots of people know it already, why would people switch to Bun? 
kneecapping it, it kneecaps Bun's growth early on in that sort of way. Like it, you know what I mean? Like if you've got yeah. you've got um uh you got you created some new feature and then everyone the the bigger competitor copies that. Think what um uh, Facebook did with stories to Snapchat. Like they copied that. Why would you go over to Snapchat now if one of the key features is now on the big competitor? Totally. Yeah. And and that goes back to, for me, like, um, you know, like I was mentioning, right? Like, what's the adoption curve that you're looking for as a team? Like, um, a lot of the time we have this kind of ugly habit of, like, more people right now all the time, right? And maybe for Bun, what Jared is chasing is like, oh, like, let's make that slow march upward instead of like, I'm going to go capture every single, you know, person that I possibly can. Maybe the approach really is like, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of just some random big company. Disney has all these node apps. I'm not trying to capture all of their node apps. Instead, I would like for them to, when they make a new node app, uh, it's not the Note app anymore. It's a Bun app. <laughs> um, there's that idea, right? That like, do you want to just grab everything you can and be really aggressive about existing things, or do you want to capture all those net new things? So, um, yeah, I'm I'm silently staring here at actually kind of ties into this. I'm silently staring here at this common JS is hurting JavaScript on my monitor, and just staring here at the title. And I'm thinking to myself like. What if somebody came along and was like, uh, you know, file system extensions are killing Linux performance or something, right? And it's like, y'all should change. It's like, okay, well, like, that sounds great. Like, yeah, it might be a trillion times faster or whatever, but I got, I got stuff to do. <laughs> I All right, don't know. right. Write it up. Just, just write it up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, we're all just trying to ship applications and maybe set timeout isn't going to be compatible in one runtime versus another, but I'm going to, you know, maybe take that 200 milliseconds in a very bad case, right? 200 milliseconds additional startup time from a cold start or warm start, whatever the fuck we got now. And, um, and I'm going to bill my employer and tell him if he wants, you know, three months of dev time, he can have those 200 milliseconds and a few, and thousand dollars back like those are the, those are the trade-offs that i'm making as an application developer um when i'm thinking about a versus b always so in the end none of this actually matters and our opinions are uh, are kind of moot right that's the nihilistic um, approach <laughs> um i remember hearing uh, what's that what's that holding um sorry sorry fuzzy uh, you can go first Oh, no, I was just agreeing with Jess there is like from the nihilist point of view is like the conversation is is very circular. You know, we could in the respects that what the question I'm thinking is like how much parity do you need on the server between the web and the server? Like how close is that line going to have to be? Back in the day, the idea with Node was that, you know what, it's going to be distinctly different to the code that we write for the web. Now we're kind of moving into a paradigm where, you know, that line is getting dropped. You know, it's like the web standards are now moving into the server side. And I like that that 
barrier is something that I'm looking at is like as a differentiator between the different runtimes in the marketplace. So, so I, I think what actually happened there was um, back in the day we we installed any type of um, any type of uh, library to the web, jQuery, Lodash, any of those. You would use a CDN to do it. You you do some sort mm -hmm. of CDN, put it into a script tag, load it. That's how that would work. But yep. npm started to gobble up that service, that service area there. It started to gobble it up. Um, Rollup came in, so you can actually tree shake your packages. So only what you need is being used. So all these things started coming in and started removing all the uh, areas where CDNs and stuff would have would have actually previously act, uh, been in. And because mm -hmm. of that, Node.js now has to be compatible with um, the web if you want all these third-party packages that people rely on on the web to work. That's the reason why this is occurring. If prior to now, Node.js was separate and it was that you could explicitly not use it, um, all these packages were being released as um, as CDN packages still. I don't think this would be as big an issue as it is now. Mm. Can I... I see that. Quick, Sorry, quick, guys. Quick question, just, just to make sure I understood what you just said. Are you saying, like, if JS DOM was shipped natively in Node, we wouldn't be where we are today? No, rather the opposite. So if JS DOM released a a um a what do you call it again compatible CDN JS uh like you know uh, CDN a package on CDN JS and other compatible CDNs, then we wouldn't have as much you won't have as much of this problem basically. So if the if the package um, if packages and package maintainers uh, created packages explicitly for the web. And then created the ones explicitly for Node.js, like they were distinctly separate. Then you would have less and less of this. Hey, I want Node.js packages working on the web. Be yeah. Okay. By the way, people do this, and Webpack polyfills. I, I have a whole rant about how Webpack has enabled this problem to, to go it, on and on and on and, pro and proliferate. Um, but yeah, I like I've debugged packages that are like import fs, and I'm like, bro, you're in the browser. The fuck you mean import fs? <laughs> yeah, I've seen that though. Yeah, I I don't like that. There are a couple of new APIs coming out that would make polyfilling much easier. Um, I'm really excited for OPFS, um, Origin Private File Systems. I don't know if um, many people on the call are, are aware of what it is. Um, Origin Private OPFS, and anyone aware of what that is? Is this can, 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 can Chrome, Chrome links to your Chrome links to your desktop file system? Pardon? No, that's that's what makes it so distinctly different. It lets you create a virtual file system where the files are actually saved on the hard drive. And not in memory. That allows. Bro said, <clears throat> "I think that is that what you said, bro." Yeah. Okay. That allows you to have um, your your file system APIs. Like you can actually polyfill Node and Deno's file system APIs using OPFS, and guarantee that it's not being stored in memory, and you can access it whenever you want to. That's pretty cool. That would make a lot of things easier for a lot of libraries that currently like talk over the wire to some server that they've set up just so that they can get around the privileged access requirements, um, especially in dev tools. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Um, it is incredibly useful, but like the people who know about it and actually use it are very few and in between. 
I know that um, the Adobe Web App is using it right now. It's one of the apps using it. Um, SQLite, the SQLite uh, WASM library uses it as well. There's a bunch of libraries that people use, that use it that people don't even realize just how useful this little API is for emulating Node.js environments. I saw, I saw Nick just joined. You know, Nick, this is a pretty interesting API that you might be curious about for like, I don't know, doing weird shit with testing and file systems and reporters and stuff. It's kind of a curious, it's kind of a curious little application that you could, I don't know, I wonder where it fits in. Um, for those that don't know him, um, Nick McCurdy is a testing library maintainer and nerd, and we we talk about weird shit and how it applies to how, how you can leverage weird APIs uh, to make the testing ecosystem better in general. Yeah, I invited him up. It's okay. I can just speak about him. Oh. Oh, welcome back, Fuzzy, by the way. I feel like we diverged from your original question. I felt a little bad. Can't take the silence, huh, Nick? <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Something fuzzy. Um, I missed that last bit. Sorry, what were you catching up on? If you just could bring me up, it just. <laughs> oh, I said that. I feel like we diverged from your original question about pushing. Uh, I don't know. The pa- all the all the code we write towards the server. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what it feels like. It feels like. You know, we're there was there was a fork when you know it was like the greatest inception you know to JavaScript was it could move outside the browser, but then it allowed JavaScript to become something more ubiquitous. But within that ubiquity, we're kind of seeing a a pat you know um, a simplicity arise where we are now pushing towards web standards and the standards that are you know that are coming out from the more proactive tc39 group and the web standards group than they were before and i think i'm kind of i enjoy the fact that you know we're now adopting a more standards-based approach to when it comes to our own development instead of you know it's like sorry this is my own magic compared to what everyone else can produce and i like it in that respect however what I'm seeing is that within the simplicity, we're now coming to a point where everything's going to start looking the exact same, if you get me. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think, I don't think we're ever satisfied. If I've learned one thing about mm-hmm. web development and development, right, nobody's ever satisfied. <laughs> the status I, I'm I'm proud of the standards bodies learning how to ingest ideas from the communities. Um, like you, you for sure know that Solid is working closer and closer with uh, with the Chrome Dev team, mm-hmm. and so we're kind of we're kind of wondering. Like they just got what was it? Like I think Ryan is public about this. Uh, they just got I think enough runway to hire two full time um, developers that in, international developers, non US. Mm-hmm. Um, devs to work on solid and that's awesome because that means google's paying attention 
on what's bleeding edge and deciding explicitly if they're going to adopt or not adopt different things. But I still don't think, Fuzzy, that we're going to converge on like a one-two way. Like we can't even figure out if we like utility classes or not still. That See, was a joke was, for everybody. I, know, I appreciate that. It's like, you know, for me, it's like, the, you know, try to fight. For those physicists going about trying to, you know, get the unified field theory together, and you're like, it's a lost, you know, it's one of those lost causes. Um, but the thing is, it's like, I, personally speaking, Jess, is like, I, it's more of a feeling than anything else when I look at this, and it's like, looking into my magic eight ball, and yeah, shit is fuzzy, but I do get a sense that there is going to be a day in the future where the web, you know, the web as we know it doesn't live on the browser. The applications that we develop as we know it doesn't exist in two spaces on the server and on the client. That is going to be a isomorphic space, a single space where you could code from the back end and still see it on the front end, but it's going to be a single it's fundamentally impossible. Like I, I, I agree for many applications that might be the case. Many verticals can do that, right? Mm -hmm. But you have to mm -hmm. have an always you have to have an always online connection. Like, what are you going to do when you go offline? Okay, yeah. okay. So I've, I've got a hot take on that. So um, the idea of needing always the connection, I think, over time, that's going to actually prove less and less true with the APIs being made available. Uh, even Bubble.js currently does not need to touch. Well, it does to a certain degree, but once uh, you've run whatever bundle you want to run once, it caches that, and you can run that bundle again and again and again and get all funky with it and stuff like that, and it will still give you new bundles once it's fetched to packages at least once before. I think more and more, especially with these new APIs coming out, like the OPFS, um, um, uh, WASM, SQLite, all this stuff coming online, I think more and more of those, you're going to actually need less and less network connections to accomplish complex tasks, right? You, even right now, you run FFmpeg on the web, right? So yeah. like- I mean, it's slow as shit. <laughs> <laughs> that is true, that is true, but like with every technology, it improves, right? So if you give it time, and uh, uh, and there is and there is definitely um, an intention to make these APIs better, and create better and better projects from it, you're gonna get less and less um, stuff being done from a server. I'm, yeah, the the movement for clients caching for for um, yeah clients caching so they don't have to reconnect. I get that. I all I can think about okay is all I can think about is getting on the New York subway with my Ionic app. That's all I can think about, right? It's just being like, fuck, you know, Spotify built their app in, I in Ionic. They, they didn't, they don't. But, mm -hmm. you know, let's pretend Spotify builds their app in Ionic and I'm just like, shit, I can't load my loading spinner because it's an RSC or whatever the fuck we've done. Um, yep. <laughs> like, like, that, that's, that's all I can think of. And I don't know if I, if I just don't understand RSCs after five months, which is possible, but what am I missing? So you're not you're not wrong technically. With our RSCs are more efficient in the way they deliver um, the JavaScript required or JavaScript HTML required to actually accomplish your your assigned application. Um, they're more efficient. They're like just almost just in time um, rendering. Especially I'll describe an RSC. Almost just in time rendering your site as as required. 
even more so than previously because it has full understanding of all the components being used, like complete mm-hmm. understanding of it. Um, it understands all the dynamic network connections being needed. It understands your connection to your database. It understands it, and it can be very dynamic with it. That is both a good and a bad thing, based on the example you just gave. Because for that exact reason. So that different applications. So we're still. Oh, I'm so excited for this, guys. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. It depends. It depends. Oh. Oh. Um. <laughs> <laughs> My <board right> <laughs> I, I would say it's nuanced, right? If your application is already heavily web-based anyway, um, then have like no matter what, you, if the connection goes down, the connection goes down, right? There's some applications just already, if you're doing, uh, like, um, think already, if you're, like, remote viewing into your computer, that's a very, very narrow connection required um, uh, application. So no matter what, even if you're using reactive components, if you're writing pure HTML, you're gonna need a network connection. And so it doesn't really change much. If you're writing like a blog post, uh, then using RSC and uh, an app compiling to pure HTML is overkill, is how I term it, I guess. Yeah, so Fuzzy, I think we're at, it depends on your product vertical, maybe we'll converge for different problem spaces, like e-commerce might converge <clears throat> on something specific, but it depends. I appreciate that, Jess. No, you're you're kind of you're spot on there when it says, well, yeah. No, you're spot on. How are you keeping, by the way? How am I doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. Um, when we were so, I met Fuzzy in Modern Frontends, um, the conference that shall not be named, um, <laughs> and that I just named, and. Uh, he very kindly gave me a very tacky looking white lighter, which is has emojis on it. And I see it every once in a while among my my clutter. I, I stole it from him. Uh, but no, I was I'm doing I'm doing great. Um, my brain surgeries are, are scheduled for later um, this season. <laughs> so brilliant. Oh, oh, I wish you all the best of luck with that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll post on Twitter. Um, I'm very excited. I'm going to be a cyborg, uh, probably. Are you getting mm-hmm. Chat GPT four? I'm what? Are you getting Chat GPT four? <laughs> I don't know. It has. It does have a CPU and data store. So. Really? What kind of? What kind of suck if you're only limited to twenty five questions an hour, though? <laughs> <laughs> into the straight into the brain no but it's it's really fucking interesting it has a record mode that records different electrical signals on three probes um there's a deep sensor and a shallow sensor in total there's like 16 little notches um and i'm pretty excited apparently some of the testimonials are like Using this data, my neurologist was able to determine that drinking orange juice in the morning triggered my seizures. So for everybody, whoa, yeah, for people who don't, yeah, I have epilepsy. I have really bad seizures. Um, Yeah, so I'm really stoked to to see what happens. I've already been told I can never go to DefCon once I get this thing in. 
The moment people realise, right, there's a walking seven of nine about, they're going to try and hack the Borg. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. I won't. I will not be in fifty miles, a hundred miles of death time. If you, if it makes you feel any better, there's that one guy that like went to DEFCON because he knew like FBI agents would be there, so he went dumpster diving and managed to figure out that like FBI and CIA agents were discarding confidential documents I in the it. fucking dumpster, and he just fucking read them. <laughs> I love that so, so yeah, like I, I'm not exactly confident everyone at DEFCON is perfectly secure. I, I would be one of those people that is not secure. People, okay, so my 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 habit is breaking into things that is mostly legal. I don't do it now that I moved to Texas because I know better. Um, fuzzy, fuzzy, if you're wondering, Texas is the most America um, America that there is. Um, yeah, California is very gentrified and very, like, you know, black. It's, yeah. Um, I would say, yeah. It, it depends, but Texas is generally a monoculture, and uh, legally, like, when you trespass, it's, it's bad. Like, people can shoot you at any distance. So I don't trespass here, but in general, I like being where I'm not supposed to be, and my favorite hobby is breaking into WeWorks um, and tailgating in <laughs> instead of... <laughs> Yeah, that's that's my my black hat attribute. Hats off to you for that. Like seriously, breaking into WeWorks is should be done. Those guys have ripped off enough people. Did you? Uh, you know what this reminds me of? Did you see the lock picking lawyers Ben and Jerry's ice cream video? <laughs> oh my Send gosh, it. I love that guy. Yeah, yeah best. So he wanted his wife to, so if anyone's not familiar, this guy's like an absolutely fucking very talented lock picker, and he does professional grade lock reviews with lock picking attempts on YouTube, and it's mm-hmm. all legal, it's all property that he owns, and he's a lawyer, so he knows. Anyway, he's also fucking hilarious, and he wanted to teach his wife um how to lockpick so he put a ben and jerry's apparently sells a combination lock that like closes the top of the lid so he put it in the freezer and the next day he found it like flipped upside down and his wife like cut off the bottom of the (laughs) just completely ignoring the fucking lock that's what i'm like honestly yeah, it was like um, that actually brings me up to like a an actual story. We were like, um, don't ask why. We were trying to get into a house, right? And it was um, it was a new build as well. So it was like it's kind of like these American houses where everything's made of wood, but over in the U- in the in Scotland, you know, it's like we have masonry and we have plasterboards, right? So you know, it's like they had this um, side panel next to the door that was just plasterboard. It wasn't like masonry. So the moment I like, I was just chapping around the door frame, and it's like. Oh, that's plaster. Put my foot through it, we were in the door. <laughs> we were through the side of the door. Cool <laughs> aid manned that fucking door. You fucking we did, yeah, door. we did. <laughs> we did. That was funny. Then when right. you said that, I was like, yeah. All right. No, I mean, it was like, there was alcohol on the other side of the door. So that was the only reason. And you're, yeah, okay, that's culturally, it's a requirement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right, well, hey, 
Hey, y'all, I just want to say thank you, everybody, so, so much for hanging out. Thank you so much for um, contributing all the amazingness that you all have. We crushed it today. It was fun. Like, seriously, there were some really good, valuable um, conversations that were had today um, and insights. Um, and hopefully, uh, Common JS, um, I don't know, maybe we can just figure this all out and get along. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. No. It deserves uh, to die in a fiery pit in hell. Uh, well, you don't want to throw some of the legacy applications people have into uh, issues. So I would say uh, maybe the goal should be instead of getting rid of CGS, change its priority. So ESM comes first, CGS comes second for projects. You know what I mean? So well, Fuzzy, well, Fuzzy wants us to not just kill CGS. He wants us to kill the people using it too. That is not the issue. <laughs> oh, boy, that is clear, didn't it? Well, hostile. And he doesn't need to say it. We all just know he'll bust through the door like Kool Aid Man at our American houses. Just not in Texas, please. The last thing you'll hear is waka waka waka. <laughs> <laughs> When y'all every Wednesday, 12 p.m. Pacific oh. Standard Time, we will be here. Guys, can I just quickly give a shout out to Bryce Guy? Right, he's been recently made a maintainer in the Astro community, right? Yeah, yeah, so nice. awesome, much love, Bryce. Well deserved, well go. earned, mate. Bryce, Bryce Guy, what's up, man? Good shout out, actual Bryce. legend. Follow for more info on that. Yeah. Um, peace and love, guys. Keep us safe. Hey, you too. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Fuzzy. Thank you, Fuzzy. Love you all. Same, same. All right. All right, y'all. That's it. That's a wrap. Don't forget to click those faces and follow. Click the faces that you got value from and follow them. If you don't remember who they were, you can listen to the recording and check it out. Oh, all right. yeah. We'll see you live on the next one. In the next one. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! All right. Thank y'all. Love you. See you in the next one. Peace.